This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. So I'm very excited today because I'm going to be speaking about One Nation Under God. And Patrick and I are, there we go. Patrick, show everybody your garb. Patrick gets full marks. He's a... I'm going to start today, and then we're going to take a break next week, and then I'll carry on the week after, because Mr. Boateng's coming next week to speak. So we're very excited about that. So one nation under God, one nation under God. I want you to open, in fact, you don't have to, but just listen. Psalm chapter 33 and verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. There is something peculiar about born-again believers, and it's the fact that we have the life of God on the inside of us. And because you have the life of God on the inside of you, what ends up happening is it affects and influences fundamentally who you are as a person. It introduces you to purpose in life, and it changes your vision and your perspective on the world in which you find yourself. And so in speaking about one nation under God, I'm going to look at it holistically, but I'm going to look at it from the point of view more specifically of a born-again believer. People who have the life of God on the inside of them. Blessed, why don't you put that scripture up again, Donna? Look at her, she's wandering around already. I mean, we're two minutes into things and she's on her way. <laughs> Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Actually, what it says in the Passion, it says, Blessed and prosperous is the nation who has God as their Lord. Blessed and prosperous. There is something about God. Everything that is good and perfect comes from God. If, you, if you're in an environment and you get anything from God, you know it's going to be good. Nothing bad comes from God. And so he talks about the fact that he says, blessed and prosperous is the nation whose Lord is God. What is it? Is what? Whose God is the Lord. There you go. I'm focused on 10 things. He's saying something so important to us because what he's saying is fundamentally this. It doesn't matter if you don't have a relationship with God, it doesn't change his truth. It doesn't matter whether you don't know him. It doesn't matter whether you don't believe him. It doesn't matter. Any of those things are totally inconsequential in the grand scheme of the fact that God says, I stand for certain things. And if you understand who I am and you understand what I'm about and you prepare to take those principles and you prepare to apply those principles in life, things will start to happen. It doesn't matter whether you believe in, what's it? When you fall out of a tree? <laughs> Gravity. That's it. Sorry, my head's in a different place. I'm about 14 steps ahead. That's why I'm trying to catch up to myself. It doesn't matter whether you believe in gravity or not. If you fall out of the tree, you're going to encounter it. There are certain principles that are spiritual principles that are put into operation. And if you use them knowingly or unknowingly, things begin to happen in your life. The principle of sowing and reaping. There are plenty of people who do not have any relationship with God at all, but they're very philanthropic. They're giving all the time and they continually seem to be blessed. Why? Because they're living a principle, whether they know it or not, called sowing and reaping. 
What I want to speak to you about today is the fact that our forefathers put in place knowingly some spiritual principles and they are woven into the very fabric of America. They form the social network or, or, or framework for the, the world in which we find ourselves. They're part of the, the social mores. They're written into the Constitution. We find God's fingerprints all over the Declaration of Independence. We find the things of God all over those initial documents. Why? Because if you understand what was in the mind of the Creator, you will understand the purpose for something. If you don't understand the purpose for something, you always run the risk of misusing it. They had a vision for what they were creating. The forefathers knew what they were doing. It wasn't simply a case of let's just create a new nation. Let's do something different. They came with purpose. America was born out of purpose. There are countries that do different things. Some countries value an individual. And so they may esteem the autocrat and put them in power. And the result is they have a ruler. There are other countries who put in place a system and they're run by a government. There are other places who put in place a king and they are run as a monarchy. Some places put in place individuals. And the result is they run a socialist society. Other places put in place a government. And all of a sudden, they become a communist country. But there was something peculiar about America. There was something different about the way that things were handled. And when they went about putting it in place, they weren't about to put in place a person. They weren't putting in place a system. They weren't putting in place a government. They weren't putting in place an individual. They were putting in place God. What sets America apart is it's one nation under God. At the foundation of what this is all about, the forefathers said, we don't trust people and we don't trust government. The only thing we can trust is God. And what they said is, let's take something which is God and let's use God as the foundation for everything because governments will come and governments will go. People will come and people will go. Ideas will come and ideas will go, but God will stand forever. There was a reason that they put in place one nation under God because they had a look at it. And if you have a look at Thomas Jefferson and the forefathers in their writing, when it came to the Declaration of Independence, they were prepared to sit and say, we'll go to war for this. In fact, we'll fight the war of independence. Why? Because we have a dream that we could do something. We could engage in an experiment, something that nobody else has done on earth, something that will set us apart, something that will make us unique, something that will differentiate us to every other nation on earth, and that is we'll put God at the center. Nobody else has that. Yes, you can be proud to be an American. Yes, you are different as an American. Yes, you stand apart as America. Why? Because we have God at the center of everything. The forefathers understood that government doesn't give you your freedom. God gives you your freedom. 
government is put in place to protect your God-given freedom. Understand the role and the responsibilities of each. It becomes so important. Because the thing about it is, when I recognize that what I have available to me and what the rights that I enjoy are given to, my, be, to me by God, I recognize the fact that they are gifted from a higher being than man. Yeah. I get to enjoy that because of what he has bestowed on me. It's a recognition on our forefathers' part that says man was created equal. And because of that, let's create a landscape where you can walk your path, where you can blaze your trail, where you can live in freedom with the way that God wants to interact with you so you can realize your full destiny and you can walk into your purpose. There's a reason that government is there to protect your God-given freedom, and not to hold on to it. It never originated from government because the problem with it is government can give one day and take away the next. And they're flighty, and they shift, and they change because they're made up of people. doesn't matter which country you are, it's made up of people. Things change. What could we build something on that introduce stability for us? God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what people very often don't understand. The problem with it is people, people don't value what they don't understand. But if you understand that the reason that God is at the center of everything is because he guarantees your freedom, you'll be at a place where you will celebrate that because it in introduces you to the fact that I'm prepared to fight for that value because it means I can hold on to that. That's something I can pass on to my generations to come. It's something that's important for me because nobody can take it away. If I lose God, it defaults to government. And if it defaults to government, things can change. I like to live my life in trust of God, not in trust of man, not in trust of government. Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Created equal. What he's saying was, the fact that we are equal as a, is as a result of the creator. That's why you, creator was responsible for all of us being equal. If you take it outside of creator, things can change. We have class variances. It was a big issue in, in England years ago. That they are endowed by their creator the one who never changes, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There are things that you get from God that you don't get from anybody else. You get from him, and you hold on to that, and you don't let anybody take that away from you, including government. that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. I'll let you do your job as long as you do it the way you're supposed to do it. 
I'll let you do your job as long as you understand what your role and your responsibility is. Don't go beyond the scope of what you're supposed to be doing. And whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government laying up its foundation on such principles. Do you know what he's saying? This is what the forefathers are saying. What you got from God is so important that even if it comes to having to abolish government to get back to the original formula and the original set of what it's supposed to be, go ahead and do it. That's what it's written. That's what's in there. It becomes so important for us because the thing is, Abraham Lincoln recognized the fact that when we, we put God at the center of everything, when we make it's one nation under God, it puts us at a place where we can bring about unity. When we understand that God at the center introduces us and gives us the right of freedom, freedom is a unifying factor. The problem with it is, if you start to go beyond that, it's like, well, this is your opinion. This is your opinion. You've got your idea about that. This is how you think things. We get into all kinds of disparate ideas and thoughts and opinions, and, and nobody agrees. You know what they said? I don't care about your ideas. What they said is, this is a fertile space in which to dream. But what brings us cohesive, cohesion, what brings us together is the fact that we are united in our freedom. United in our freedom. And so today, we celebrate... America. Happy birthday, America. Birthdays are important things. Because if you think about birthdays, they come around once a year. And birthdays are special times because what birthdays do is, birthdays is an opportunity for us to sit back and actually be intentional about reflecting on an individual. We celebrate you today because we recognize who you are. And we've, we're expressing our value and our appreciation for that. And although we may do that, there's always an understanding that the fact that the reason people are invariably valuable to us because we understand the relationship of reciprocity. We understand that there's always give and take in relationship. And that becomes important because the thing is, friendships, relationships in whatever form they may take are like a bank account. You can't always make withdrawals. At some point, you've got to make some deposits. That's the way it works. Relationships are a two-way street. I'm depositing into you, and you're depositing into me. There are deposits and withdrawals happening all the time. And as a result of the movement of the, the, the transactions that are happening, you and I are creating something which is called the relationship that you and I enjoy. But it's a two-way street. Kennedy recognized that. Kennedy recognized that because he has a famous line where he says, don't ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. You know what he was saying? Relationships are reciprocal. Yeah. 
He was saying the nation has provided you with the most fertile space to dream. It's given you the opportunity to walk into freedom. It's given you so much. The thing about it is, what do you want to do with it? Do you simply want to be a person who is in a space where I'm looking for the country to invest in me? Or am I at a place where I recognize the fact that I have a responsibility to sit and say, I've got something. I've been given something. I am stewarding something. Am I adding value to that so that in years to come, people will have a look and they'll sit and say, you know what? That was a great generation because they took on legacy. They held on to legacy. They added value to legacy and they Passed it on to me. What are we adding? What are we adding? It's so easy in this country to take as opposed to give because it's so blessed and prosperous. When it's blessed and prosperous, it's easy to be at a place where it's like, I want, I want, I want. And I'm a big believer in the fact that not everybody has the same opportunities in life. And so let's create opportunities for people. So let's meet people where they are. Let's do what we need to do to invest in that person. And let's make them a productive part of society. But don't leave them where they are. Let's do something. Why? Because relationships are reciprocal. Relationships are give and take. I have the opportunity to make a contribution into society and what it looks like. And as a born-again believer, it goes beyond an opportunity. It moves into the arena of responsibility. Genesis chapter 2. And verse 15. Sorry, before we get there, let me do, do Matthew 28. Let me do Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's talking to born-again believers. What he's saying is this. I got a way. In fact, I have the monopoly on how people can live life successfully. Don't hog it. When you move to that place and you begin to understand and we walk into the fullness of what God has available to us, it's not God who lives up there and I live down here and he's detached from my reality and he's detached from my life. God wants to be intricately involved in every aspect of who I am, every decision I make, every area of life that I get involved in. That's what he's looking to do. He understands everything because he created everything. And so the invitation that he extends to us when we live with him is to sit and say, let me introduce you as to what fullness of life looks like in that area. We've lost the plan, I think, in large part of what God is about and the way that he wants to inspire us and introduce us to life of a superior nature. We should be the envy of the world. Not for any other reason, but because we live life successfully to the fullest. We live from joy. We live from peace. We live from fulfillment. We live from purpose. We live from direction. We live from a place where it's like, I'm okay. I like life. We don't like life enough. I'm, I, I've begun to realize so much stuff has shifted in, in the country, and, and God is doing some really important things. 
And he's doing some important things and it becomes fundamental that we, we be sensitive to what he's doing and how he's wanting to do it. But I want, I've got some great news for you. He is going to ignite your life. I'm telling you now, he's going to ignite your life because the way he wants to do it is this. He doesn't want Christians to be the ball of the world. When I have more fun and excitement going to the bar than spending time with my Christian friends. I don't want to go with them because they dull and they unexciting and they drab. So all the people at the beach, just as well they're not here. <laughs> he's not asking you and he's not looking for us to be Mr. Personality. You be who you are, but you do it to the fullness of who he has created you to be. And the introduction that he's doing, and I'm going to speak about purpose in a minute, is he's walking us into the reality that he wants to be a fundamental part of our life. Every step that we take, every aspect that we're involved in, every place that our, hang, our, our hands touch and our fingers touch, he wants to be a part of that stuff. Because the thing is, when he's a part of that stuff, he introduces newness. He introduces wholeness. He introduces completion. And when I live from that place, I know what it is to live and experience joy and peace. Not because it's a concept that goes with, with biblical teaching somewhere. The world is looking for authenticity. You can't fake it anymore. You can't fake it. If I want to sit and say I have a relationship with Christ, it should be something that is transformational in my life. And I believe that that is what the Holy Spirit is going to start to unsettle in a lot of things. People have had to make a decision. And if you've been, if people have been sitting on the fringe somewhere and it's like, eh, half in, half out, where are they? Can't work with that. Can't work with that. I want you to know I'm doing something fundamental and it's going to involve every, this is God. It's going to involve people. It's going to involve my body that's on the earth. We have a place that's really important in this. Oh, good grief. How's the time go there? Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then God took, took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. God initiated and he created man and he created a space which is going to become his home and he put him into that space and when he had put him into that space he said okay you tend it and you keep it it's no accident that you were born at this time it's no accident that you were born where you were born you are here for a reason, and you're here for a purpose. It becomes so important for us to begin to recognize and realize what is that. Understand this. No matter where you find yourself today, you inherited a reality. What are you going to do with that reality? What defines that reality? Are you adding value to it? Matthew chapter 25, it, it tells the parable about the talents. And Jesus is talking about the fact that I'm going to give you something to steward. What are you going to do with it? Bury it and dig it up at the end and say, well, I took care of it, but I didn't add value to it. 
Or are you going to take what is given to us and sit and say, you know what? Here it is. You gave me something to steward. Let me show you what it looks like right now. You can't do that in and of yourself. All of that stuff is going to be relationally driven. All of that stuff is going to be motivated and influenced by who he is. So our relationship with him becomes really, really important. I want to, to, I'm going to touch on a few things because I think that they're so, so important for us in navigating our path delicately as we move into, into the future. Because it's very easy to get sidetracked and move into areas of um, handling situations that are not necessarily constructive or healthy or godly even. But in moving forward with stewarding the place that you find yourself, my suggestion to you would be this. Use as a foundation and as a founding principle God's invitation. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave. God loved the world that he gave. It's so easy to sit in the space that we are. And the problem with it is, if you get outside of relationship with God, you're going to default to something else. And you're going to slip into politics, and you're going to slip into opinion, and you're going to slip into other stuff. And when you slip outside of relationship, you're going to become a mud thrower. Well, you're there, and you shouldn't be doing this. And What happens? It alienates, alienates. John 3.17, God never sent Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, through his son, they may be saved. Understand this. You hold the keys to salvation for so many people. It's the greatest gift you have to offer is salvation through Jesus Christ. The reason that so many people are in the situation that they are is because they're no different to us. They just haven't met Jesus yet. There are so many things that define people nowadays. And you know, if you have a look at it, I've begun to realize that in many situations, there is a direct relationship between people's hurt and the challenges that they've been brought up with and the way that they present themselves. A lot of people that we have a look at, and it's like, well, wh why do they look like that? Why do they behave like that? It's just because of background. I've never walked in their shoes. I've never been in that place. But you start to talk to some of those people, and you understand where they came from. It's like, okay, I understand why you look like you do. I'm not saying you have to take that disposition, and I'm not saying that you have to sit and say, fine, that needs to become you know, what we live the country by. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being motivated by love. The interesting thing about love is this. Love is very different to tolerance. God so loved the world that he gave. You know why he gave Jesus? Because Jesus was the personification of love. And when personification of love comes into a space, it comes and it meets you in your need. And it meets you in your hurt. And it meets you in your pain. And it meets you in your insecurities. And it meets you in your lack of fulfillment. And it meets you in your struggles to try and find who you are and what you're all about. It meets you in that place and it brings you salvation and wholeness and completion. And introduces you to the fullness of everything that God has to offer you. That's what love does. The world doesn't introduce you to love. The world invites you into tolerance. Do you know what tolerance does? Nothing. 
Tolerance says, I'll find you as you are and I'll leave you as you are. But I'll just accept the fact that that's who you are. There's a big difference between love and tolerance. Jesus is about love. Jesus is about finding people who are hurting, people who are struggling, people who are sitting saying, I'm looking for fulfillment and completion. And even if they come across as being ugly and aggressive, I can promise you that's the road that they're on. You can't change them. Only the Holy Spirit can. And so our path begins to change a little bit because I'm introduced to the fact that I become a carrier of the life of God. I'm to be led by the Holy Spirit. If I step outside of that, I'm just a religious person. I might have different beliefs to you, but I don't really have anything to offer you. Salvation is in Christ alone. God put man in the garden. God put you in a garden called America. He put you in an Eden called America. You are to tend for it, to care for it, to look after it. There's an interesting principle in there, and the principle is this. God initiates, and man is designed to respond. God always initiates, and man responds. He initiated with Abraham. He gave Joseph a dream. He meets us at a place where we're sitting saying, you know what? I really don't feel like I'm a good person. I don't feel like I'm worthy. And he says, I'm so delighted that you've come to that recognition because you know what? I've already provided for you. It's called righteousness. What do you want to do with it? But God, I'm not able to do this. And I'm not, I, I don't feel capable of being able to walk into all that you've provided. For. This is a situation that's beyond my control. And he says, I'm so happy that you've come to that conclusion. Because you know what? I've provided for you something called grace. God always presents provision to us. He always initiates. The question is, what do you do with the initiation? We have the choice to decide what it is that we want to do. Not every choice is a good choice. You see, in that relationship, God introduced the principle of freedom. You have the freedom to choose. The first time the forefathers of America saw freedom wasn't when they wrote it into the Declaration of Independence. It wasn't when it was ratified in the document. God said, I did that a long time ago. I understand the value of freedom. Freedom is important. But it comes with something which gives you the prerogative of choice. Choice, although it's a value, comes with responsibility and consequence. I can guarantee freedom, but I can't guarantee the outcome because I don't know how you're going to choose. What do you want to do? And it's interesting because in this equation, we begin to recognize the fact that if we explore that a little bit more, we begin to, to move into the arena where we're starting to understand purpose. 
and we recognize the fact that our purpose is wrapped up in God. Let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes people have this idea about purpose. They kind of have the Mother Teresa syndrome. The Mother Teresa syndrome is this. My life is here for completing this big mission. But I'm not sure what my big mission is. So I'm waiting to find out. I don't believe that's purpose. It may be an aspect of it, but you'll grow into it. But that's not purpose. This is what I believe purpose is. I created the garden. And I put you in it. And as you live your life and walk your life through that garden, you're going to be introduced to different aspects of who you are, different situations, and different relationships. Every one of those things come with purpose. So I move into a space where all of a sudden I recognize the fact that now I'm getting married. I'm a husband. It comes with purpose. It's not just random. Do I understand what purpose of a husband is? Do I understand what it means to be a good husband? Do I understand at the end of having been a husband, what did it translate into? And did you fulfill your purpose as a husband? Oh, well, I'm becoming a, uh, I'm becoming a parent. Parenthood comes with responsibility. It comes with purpose. And when you step into it, do I understand what the purpose is? Am I equipped for that purpose? As a citizen, citizenship comes with purpose. Do I understand what my purpose is as a citizen of this space? What I'm proposing is this. Our lives are multifaceted. And in every place that we go and every aspect that we get ourselves involved in, God sits and says, I created that with a purpose. And I created this with a purpose. And I created that with a purpose. And as you're moving along and as you're navigating your life, you're moving into different areas. And every area has purpose. I think the challenge is this. Sometimes we feel more inclined to move into the areas where we have gifting and comfort. And the challenge with it is we sometimes go down those roads and we experience the fullness of what that needs, that what that is. And we really succeed in those areas. But the rest of my life is sitting in deficit. Is that fullness of life? I believe fullness of life is when I recognize every aspect and I'm walking my life through with him. It becomes so important. Purpose is going to introduce you to your destiny. Your destiny is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Let me explain what I mean by that. It's, it's this. I move into a situation and all of a sudden I recognize the fact that I'm a husband. And as a husband, I'm moving through something and I, I, I recognize that all kinds of stuff is happening in my life. I'm aggro about this and I'm aggro about that. And I just, there's aggression coming out with handling everything and it's causing conflict. And Sarah says, why are you always aggressive? This is just an example. <laughs> why are you always aggressive? And I recognize something. I'm sitting there and there and it does, I'm, I'm compromising my purpose and my ability to step into the fullness of what he's called me to do as a husband because there's something in my life that's eroding and undermining my potential. And when I recognize that, I've got a choice. And when I go to the Holy Spirit, he says, you know, I've made provision for you. So do you want to step into peace? Or do you want to try and handle it by yourself? 
And in that space, he's introducing me to an aspect of who Christ is. He's sitting saying, you can't handle it that way. But if you let me, I will come in and I will do something on the inside of you. And what I will do is I will take the truth of who Christ is and I will change fundamentally who you are. And the result of that is I'm starting to look more like him. As I journey through life and as I move to different places, I begin to recognize the fact that in my relationship with friends, what am I discovering? In my relationship and, and, and who I find myself as a citizen, what's happening in that space? Do I understand purpose? The reason I'm to journey through life with the Holy Spirit is because, first of all, when I step into what it means to be a father, I don't know how to do that. Yes, you read the books and you just provide and this and that. That's not fatherhood. That is just a very shallow view of things. Your responsibility is to begin to understand who they are and give definition to that. And it's not always easy because you don't only have one child, you usually have a few and each of them is different. (laughs) And so I need the Holy Spirit to sit and say, Holy Spirit, I'm struggling with this. I I can't connect here. What's going on? I need the Holy Spirit to give me direction. I need the Holy Spirit to give me favor. I need the Holy Spirit to give me insight. Why? Because I'm wanting to walk out my purpose as a father. In our purpose in life, whether it be your vocation or any other thing, God has a purpose for it. But the the way that we walk into the fullness of what that's all about is in relationship with him. Otherwise, we walk into a space and I'm really not sure what I should be doing and I don't feel equipped to be able to do it effectively. Where am I going with this stuff? Are you with me? Is this very heavy? Let me just do one point and then we'll, we'll leave it till next now week after. He says, I want for you to tend the garden. To tend the garden is to set in order. That's what, that's what tend means, is to set in order. We have a responsibility to set in order. As a born-again believer, I'm part of the body. Being part of the body, I'm part of the church. The church is a spiritual entity. But God calls us to have influence in every area that we get involved in. I know sometimes people get a little bit uncomfortable when you talk about politics and political stuff. Let me just give you a perspective on that. If God calls me to have influence in my world and my life, it's holistic. Anytime you go down the road of speaking about one subject, you're gonna end up in trouble. But it's important to be able to speak about everything. The thing about it is we're a spiritual entity. We're not a political entity. If we were political, it would be different. We're not. We're spiritual. But as a spiritual entity, the definition of politics are the activities that govern a country. The activities that govern a country. 
it's really hard to be able to speak about God's influence in all aspects of my life if I exclude the activities that govern a country. Can't do that. Can't do that. So it becomes an important aspect within the mix. Having said that, that isn't the focus of everything. The focus of everything is people. The focus of everything is individuals because Jesus doesn't look at the society. He looks at the people. And the thing about it is when people are made new and when people are transformed, society shifts. And when society shifts, countries are changed. Our primary function as the body of Christ is to introduce people to the love of Christ and how it can flood their life and change who they are. And when that change happens, the thing about it, it's not about me and it's nothing that I did. It's all about him and what he did. But when somebody changes, their outlook changes, their perspective changes, and things begin to shift. God is interested in people. The funny thing about it was when Jesus was on earth, he had very little to say about politics. He didn't speak much about that. He spoke about the kingdom. Why? The reason that he did that was because he understood that fundamentally, at a grassroots level, everything comes down to the individual. And so now I'm beginning to walk into an understanding of what my purpose is in here. You're going to touch some people that I'm never going to meet. You're going to rub shoulders with some people I'm never going to meet. Can I suggest something? Don't do anything. Now, you didn't expect that, did you? Don't do anything unless the Holy Spirit tells you to do it. Because we end up in trouble. I can't speak about this now, but I'm going to speak in, in a couple of weeks' time about the problem with it is, is that the, the church, because we haven't had the power and we haven't had the insight and we haven't had the, the Holy Spirit as a guide, we've ended up throwing religion at people. And the problem with religion is it lacks authenticity and people don't want that. And so we have to understand that I can't change anybody. And even my knowledge and my revelation. Have you ever sat in a service and somebody begins to speak and they're sharing with you their deep revelation? And you can see it's so profound for them and you're thinking, okay, well, what is the big deal about that? It's, it's, it's because it's something that the Holy Spirit was doing in their life. And so he's touching on things that are pertinent to them. He's bringing transformation and change in their life. And they can talk about it and they're full of energy and enthusiasm and zeal because they, they're authentically talking about, I used to be like this, but now I'm like this. The problem with it is not everybody's like that. So I can't take my revelation and start telling people what they should be doing because now it's just moved from a transformational power to something which is instruction. And instruction becomes religious. And people don't want it because it's like, stop telling me how to live my life. Um, what is it talking about? No, I was going to make a point about something. Oh, it, it, it's to set in order. Set in order. That's what it means. To tend is to set in order. God never does anything randomly. God is, there, there is, when we begin to get God's perspective on things, suddenly it's like, okay, that makes sense. Outside of that, there's sometimes I've looked at things and I'm like, why on earth did that happen? It looks so random. 
And sometimes a period of time down the way, I've seen something and it's like, okay, now all of a sudden, all the little pieces fall into place. And I'm like, okay, now I get why it worked like that. God is a God of order. And so when he talks about setting things in order, the thing about it is this. There are seasons, autumn, winter, spring, summer. It's ordered. It happens. He calls us to live a life of order. What he's saying is set your priorities. God is number one. Your spouse is number two. Your kids are number three. Your ministry is number four. Your work is number five. He, he set it out. There's an order to things. And the thing about it is, as long as things are in order and things function in an orderly way, we have something called harmony. Things are harmonious because they're working the way that they should. The challenge with it comes when we take things out of order. Because when we take things out of order, what ends up happening is confusion and chaos. And so now we find ourselves in a world where we're having to navigate some really interesting spaces because what's happened is we have a, a percentage of, of people who are, are living life the way that they want to live life outside of God's design. And it's creating issues and now we're having to resolve it and it's creating conflict in society. My body, my choice. Okay, well, that's true. That's true. Your body, it's your choice. The thing about it is we spoke about the fact that God gives us freedom, and in the context of freedom, we have something called choice. But choice comes with responsibility and consequence. See, the thing about it is God has an order and a structure for things. So God says it is good that you found yourself a wonderful husband and a fabulous wife, and the two shall become one. And so we keep the sexual relationship for a marriage environment. Because you know what happens? In a sexual relationship, something called other bodies arrive. But when you take sexual relationship outside of the context of the way God designed it, and we want to have sexual relationships for pleasure, it still results in bodies. And so when we have my body, my choice, you choosing to do some things outside of God's context, and the result of your choice and your body has created another body. And now we have a complication and an issue resulting in chaos because all of a sudden it is my body, but is it your choice? Yes, it is. Because another body doesn't exist. Well, if another body doesn't exist, then why are you having an abortion? Of course another body exists. What is that that's being removed? It's complicated because people find themselves in situations that they don't want to be in. They never intended to be in that situation. The problem with it is when we take things out of order, it results in chaos. 86% of abortions are to unmarried women, 86%. And the majority of those already have one child. Things happen in life, and people make mistakes. That, it, it's, it, these are the spaces where it becomes really interesting trying to navigate. Because the thing is, God so loved the world that he gave. It's so easy to condemn and it's so easy to throw mud. But you want to love the individual 
but you don't necessarily endorse the action. I love Colton, but I don't always like it when he's a bit offish. I love Carter, but I don't like it when he's moody. I love Vivian, but it's not my favorite when she gets quiet and morose. I love Sarah, but I don't like it when she's so perfect. It becomes important because what I'm trying to do is this. I'm trying to show that you can love the individual, but not necessarily the choice. I'm trying to show you that in the context of freedom and what we've been given, we have the prerogative of making choices, but not all choices are good choices. It doesn't mean that because I don't endorse and validate your choice that I don't love you. I love my kids to bits. I love my wife, despite the fact that she's so perfect to bits. The point is this. I must be able to come to a place where I can separate the two. And the problem with it is we're moving to a space in our society where people don't want to do that. And so what ends up happening is when I sit and say, I feel for you, but I don't endorse that, you become a labeled person, a person of hate, a person who's racist, a person who's bigoted, a, a person who's a homophobe. I'm not any of those things. I love all of you. The thing is, I just may not agree with your action because it creates confusion and chaos in society. So now we end up in the situation where we have people who are struggling with their identity and so they want to participate, particularly men, in women's sports. And they're heroes! Why? Because all of a sudden, I bring all of my male development into a female environment, and it's like, well, no wonder I'm winning all the time. But I'm a woman. You're not a woman. You're not. You're not. I love you. I just don't agree with your choice. Let me just say one thing about this, and then I am finished. The transsexual thing has become such a big thing. And uh, there's a side to me that annoys me because the fact of the matter is it is a serious issue for some people. It is consequential for some people. Some people really struggle with their, who they are in their identity and they feel trapped in a different body and they're trying to come to a place where they find wholeness and completion and happiness in that space. Only Jesus can offer that. Okay, But the point is this. It's become such a hot thing all of a sudden that it's taken on this whole persona of being cool and trendy. And so my kids in middle school, we have these kids that are, are being introduced to this, these ideas. And all of a sudden they go to school and it's like, well, I'm not this anymore. I'm now uh, this, whatever it might be. And it's like, oh, okay, whatever. But then six weeks later, it's like, actually, I'm not that anymore. I changed my mind. Now I'm this. And it's like, okay, why? Because it's become trendy. It's so trendy, it's so cool to be whatever you want to be. Funnily enough, there's a side to me that that's even worse than people who have more conservative opinions about it. Because it, it, it trivializes it.
when you have a look at your life, when I have a look at my life, you begin to realize the fact that we are capable of the most terrible things outside of God. We can say things, we can do things, we can be things. We There is a humility that comes when you recognize what he's done for us. Because in that space, you begin to recognize the fact that, you know what? But Jesus. But Jesus. And so it's exciting for where we're going because the thing about it is, and we'll speak about this in a couple of weeks' time, God is going to do something through the body because he's going to make himself seen in ways that hasn't been seen in America for a long time. We've had way too much religion. Way too much religion and not enough authenticity. And I'm not saying everybody's like that, but what I'm saying is, by and large, we live in a very religious environment. Here, I'm talking about Northern Virginia. You're never going to win the world with religion. They're not looking for religion. What they're looking for is they're looking for salvation. A lot of people find themselves in places where it's like, I'm just desperate. Can somebody give me fullness and happiness and completion and wholeness and peace and joy and purpose? Definition. Only Christ can do that. And so I want to leave you with this thought. During the next two weeks, move beyond tolerance into love. Move beyond tolerance into love. And you ask Holy Spirit, I thank you for today. Open my eyes and you give me the opportunity to put something into somebody's life. Love seeds. God loves you. You might be shocked at what may happen if you tell somebody some stuff. Don't go and do it randomly, but you'll know when to do it because something on the inside of you will go, what? (laughs) And now I have to end because the ice cream is melting. (laughs) Father, I just want to thank you for every person here. I want to thank you for the opportunity of being able to live in one nation under God. I thank you for the opportunity to live in America. I want to thank you, Father, that we were born for such a time as this. And I want to thank you that as people begin to open up their lives and make themselves available to your influence in that space, I want to thank you that you're touching them and changing them. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you just immerse us in love and an appreciation and a value for people. I want to thank you that you've put us in this country for a time like this. I thank you that we are your hands and feet and everywhere we go, we have the opportunity to introduce people to the one who can bring completion in them. I pray that you will work with every person this week. I pray, Father, every single day, Holy Spirit, we invite you to lead us into purpose, to lead us into encounters where where people experience your touch in ways that perhaps we've never, we've never had before. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.